0: To episode 108 of Running Matters podcast, I'm your host Paul Hadfield, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with the wonderful Millie Clark. Now, for those that don't know, Millie is one of Australia's very best marathon runners. She's the recent winner of the Melbourne Marathon in a staggering time of 2:26. Uh, she is a Rio Olympian and was the top-ranked Australian at, at the Rio Olympics. Uh, She's got an incredible list of achievements, which is really just too long to mention. And um, she's got some in, in, incredible advice for the for the new marathon runner, which is you know potentially myself. Uh, so I certainly pick her brain on uh, the the way to go about training and, and pacing and looking after nutrition in a marathon. She's a coda nutrition sponsored athlete, so we chat a little bit about. Uh, hydration testing, sweat testing, uh, and, and the numbers that come from, from those and how important that is to your performance. And we, we, we chat about Millie's path to the 2024 Olympics in, in Paris and hopefully Eugene, Oregon, for the World Championships later this year. So lots to take out of this one. Really was a pleasure to catch up with, with Millie. She's open, honest, amazingly candid about her career and, and, and just a pleasure to chat to. And before we get started, I'd like to thank our podcast partners, Guy Me Allied Health, Base Camp Altitude, Fractel, Goo Energy, Running Matters Coaching, Raid Light, Runala, Cronulla Beer Co and Coda Nutrition, of course. Uh, And without further ado, we'll head down to Tassie and get Millie Clark on the phone. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Millie Clark. How are you?
1: Hi. I'm doing very well, thank you, and thanks for having me on.
0: No worries. It's a pleasure. Great to chat to you. Uh, And you're down in beautiful, sunny Tasmania, and I I believe you just bought yourself a shiny new house down there, Millie. Congratulations.
1: Ah, (laughs) you've definitely done your research. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, number one, it's not that sunny at the moment. It's been raining for the last, like, eight days straight. But, you know, we move on from that. It's Tasmania. Um, But, yeah, I did just get myself a, a new house so that presents um a new challenge but so now i'm officially poor but um <laughs> to be fair we we bought our house um in a really good spot for running so you know you you, you pick your battles
0: yeah fantastic and, and what do you nearby to, to run around the new place
1: um to be honest, it's just, it's really, it's dead flat. It's kind of in a little country town, so there's not a whole lot of cars. I can run down empty roads for, you know, kilometres, and, and I will go two hours without seeing a car. And, um, yeah, that's what I, I really love, and I love that. I love the kind of country feel, and it's it's safe. I can run down the middle of the road if I want, and, and it's really kind of that uninterrupted running that's really good.
0: Oh, it sounds amazing. Coming from Sydney, there's... Uh... There's not too many opportunities for that, that's for sure. Now, yeah. are you getting out the uh the gloves and boonies already on those early morning starts?
1: Um, I I haven't this week, but that said a couple of weeks ago, yes. Um, we go through like weird weeks where one week it'll be like two or three in the morning, and then we'll have a week where it's in the double digits. So this past week it's been warmer, but I have tapped into the um the gloves last week was um a rude shock to the system i was like i'm not ready for this it's too early in the year <laughs> it's
0: not meant to happen before anzac day that's usually the rule i
1: know
0: yeah <laughs> and um, you used to kick around the streets of sydney like myself for a while back there what what prompted the move back to the apple isle million um,
1: yeah i i lived in sydney for nine years i i said to myself oh I got into uni there and I thought I'll just go and live there and I'll do uni and I'll move back to Tasmania. But then once I finished uni, I got a job straight away and I'd found a really good running club. And so I ended up staying there for a lot longer than I thought. Um, but then, uh, you know, family and, and life happens. All my family's back here. My, my parents um, retired from work and they were living overseas and so they were moving back to Tasmania and my brother was about to have a baby and um, he was getting married and so I thought no it's it's just time to go home and and be close to my family and um, it was really hard to leave Sydney and my friends but I think um, I think it was for the best to, to come back and it's it's been amazing not to have to sit in traffic two or three hours a day i will say
0: that (laughs) ah yes i'm I'm very spoiled with my five minute commute to work but i'm certainly not the uh, yeah the the norm for sydney for sure um and so you you found yourself a uh a, a good group to run with down in tassie i assume
1: yeah look we've got a few really good runners down here that um you know they they fly under the radar and they're a good they're a good group of lads and they put in the hard work and they're really supportive of, of what I do and if I ever need help with a, a training session they're always chomping at the bit to help out and my partner also runs and I actually have to tell him like no stay in bed I just want to run on my own today kind of thing so I have kind of found a a really good good group down here and um it's it's been it's been really easy Um, yeah I can't complain at all
0: fantastic I was actually going to ask you about the I guess the pros and cons of training solo versus training in a group you do look like you do a bit of your your session work alone um do do you find
1: a a real benefit there um yes I like it's yeah I, I do actually really love training alone um if I had to run like a five or a ten k, I wouldn't advocate for training alone because a lot of those five and ten k races, you know, they're, they're shorter, so you're around a lot of people, and you need to know how to run it in a pack. Whereas, um, with a marathon, at the thirty k mark, you can be on your own and stretched out, so you really need to know how to, you know, push yourself and motivate yourself. So, I think for me as a marathon runner, it, it suits me better to run on my own, but um, I do like how easy it is to hit some splits and and hit you know your targets when you're training with people. So yeah, there there are pros and cons, and I think when I want to run a good ten k, I'll I'll try and train with other people. But when I'm training for a marathon, I I do like to know that I can you know get through the work on my own because ultimately in a race you might be on your
0: own kind of thing yeah of course and there's it's certain a resilience that comes from that and from that, uh you know being, being in your own head for that in yeah. your own mind yeah. really helps yeah. now I, I believe your mum was a pretty reasonable athlete represented australia at the 78 edmonton Tom games as a gymnast um yes. and, and i, I believe you're a pretty reasonable junior gym. gymnast as well can you still knock out a decent somersault on the tramp these days oh.
1: You know what, all my kids in my class are like, Can you do a backflip for us? Can you do a cut? Bar? I'm like, Oh yeah, I could, but i probably pull a hamstring these days, to be honest. <laughs> um She was great and um I yeah, I did gymnastics forever and I did it till I was mid teens and then, you know, my parents, dad, I guess his family came from more of a running background and Mum was obviously into a gym and she was my coach and you know I got to about 15 or 16 and they said look you can't do both professionally you have to pick one and I was like oh sorry Mo I'm gonna go um but like she was I mean all the I guess all the lessons you learn from gym are the same as when running because it's an individual sport so you know you've got to learn all the same things and um I think it was good doing gymnastics because you get that like core strength that you mm-hmm. don't really get anywhere else yep. other than if you did yep. like a pull or something um so yeah it, it's good but that said yeah no nah, I could probably do a handstand <laughs> it'd be shocking but like I try not to do anything gymnastics related these days because i'm yeah, like oh, i won't hold you God, to it
0: I <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I think yeah. there's certainly a great amount of body awareness that transfers to any sport from doing gymnastics yeah. as a kid yeah. i'm a, a, a long reformed gymnast myself so i hope i've retained some of it um Ooh, that's good. yeah have you retained a reasonable amount of range despite the 50 million k's you've run since being a gymnast is the flexibility okay
1: yeah, actually, it's it's not bad. Like, I don't want to talk about talk myself up, but it's it's not bad. Like for mm. a marathon run, I think. Oh yeah, I can touch my toes, and I can still sit, you know, in a straddle position and like lie down flat on the ground. And yeah, I think it's it. You get that muscle memory. I think. I mean, maybe it's a myth, but I just feel like my muscles remember. Like, oh yeah, they can actually bend this far i'm sure i'm sure sure
0: you've got some memory there um and 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 how important do you find i guess flexibility in general for a runner in in any distance but particular marathon runner Um,
1: i think it's just about how you feel like it's i don't necessarily think that it's super important to be flexible but i just know that if i start a run and i've done a bit of stretching and I feel like my muscles are responsive I think that's important um I love doing some stretches of a night just just purely because it makes me feel good and it makes me feel good before I start around to know that yep they're they're ready to go and they can do what I want them to do kind of thing
0: hmm. Yeah, that's good. The perception is is key, I suppose, for sure. Yeah. And, and look, on, on top of the, the gymnastics, you seem like you're a bit of an all-rounder from a sporting perspective as a kid and also a bit of a sprinter, it seems. When did you first realise you had a, a real knack for running a seriously long way?
1: Um, well, yeah, I got a, um, a scholarship to go over to the USA um, for college for the 400-metre hurdles. um. When I was younger, I, I did love hurdles and I loved sprints. And um. so funnily enough, I actually got, after I finished high school, I got a scholarship to Drake University in Iowa for four hundred meter hurdles. And then one day I, I got there and it was like my second week there. And they made me do this VO2 test on the treadmill, which I'd never done. And I was like, this thing is awful. I never want to do one again. But um, the, I guess after that they said oh no you should be doing cross-country and I was like well I've never run more than like two laps of a track before (laughs) um so I got kind of chucked into cross-country and admittedly I I did hate it the first year that I did it then um I slowly built up the mileage and my second year that I was there I actually did quite well in the cross-country and I really loved um actually the training for it I I just found it yeah, it was really different than what I'd done before, and I found that my body coped with it quite well. So I just, if it wasn't for going to the USA, I, I probably would have tried to stick on with with hurdles. So I'm I'm really glad for that and thankful that you know someone picked up on that. And yeah, since you know I was about twenty, it's just kind of gone upwards from there.
0: And and do you mind sharing what that uh, original video to max score was,
1: Millie? Oh, I. To be honest, I could not tell you. I want to say 60-something, but I'm not. That could be so wrong. <laughs> I have in my head it was like 62, but I don't know what that means. So I think that's <laughs> better, better than most <laughs> better than uh, most. Better than most 400 um, hurdles,
0: I hurdles, I imagine, too.
1: Yeah, well, it was a bit of a shock because they, they kept stretching up the distance. I'm like, oh, you've gone this. You know, we'd go to a race. and like, oh, Millie, you're running the 800 metres this weekend. I was like, excuse me? I have to do two laps of a track, that's not happening. And then, you know, cross country was 5k and then it was 6k, and then i stretched out to 8k and 10k. So yeah, it was it was a progression, but I did really love the training for it. Um yeah, it was just very different than what I was used to.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And we'll go over that period of time. You've obviously stretched out the distance from steeple to five to ten K and done your first marathon in twenty fifteen over in Amsterdam and, and popped up on the podium in your very first marathon. Did, did you think this game was pretty easy from the start?
1: No, that was a a like pleasant surprise. I think, um, yeah, I was lucky that I had a good experience with the marathon first up because I think if I had had a bad experience, I wouldn't have wanted to go back. So, um. I know the amount of work I put into that first marathon. And to be honest, I haven't put in the same amount of work since then. I, I think that I've almost put in too much work, hmm. but you know, that's again, as I talked about, like that's muscle memory. That's there in my body. I know that I can handle it, but I just, I don't think I need to do that anymore. If that, if that makes sense. I just, hmm. um, I've had a really good experience with that once. And so I know, you know what it needs and yeah Yeah,
0: you've laid that base down i guess now you can you can yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: and i guess not too many people get their first marathon right i suppose what what did you do right on on race day you think
1: um i think it was a really good combination of i was in a really good headspace um one i just want to say that like ignorance is bliss (laughs) because you don't know what you don't know what it's like when you get to 29 k's and you're like oh my god I still have 13 to go like this is torture but um it's a combination of like ignorance was bliss I didn't know what to expect but I knew I was really confident when I stepped on that line because I'd I'd really put in a lot of mileage and a lot of work um I had just like my mum flew over with me and she'd hide a bike and she popped up here and there I was like oh hey you're the like she gave me a little bit of a spare along um I got my nutrition was spot on the weather was spot on I just think everything uh, came together really nicely it's not like a you know a 400 meters where it's over in a minute it's like the marathon requires you to think about a lot of other things that you wouldn't normally think about, so I, I'd, I'd done my research and I'd, I'd thought about all those things. I think that's that's why it went so well that day.
0: Yeah, it's unreal. It's nice to know that the research was was correct. So you did well, straight up. And um, move move forward a year, and you, you, your mum was still on the side of the road over in beautiful sunny Rio for the Olympics, um, yeah. running run the marathons. Did did you did you expect to get? To that sort of level after that first marathon, did you think that was achievable straight away?
1: Um, no, and I was like, uh, I had in my head, I thought it'd be really nice if I came in the top twenty. I thought, yeah, this is doable, um, because I, I well I knew that it was going to be hot, um, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. I knew that it wouldn't be as I wouldn't need to run as quick, but I'd need to be used to running in when it was really hot mm. um so I did a lot of it was just different training again it was the excitement of training differently I ran a lot in like a heat chamber on a treadmill which for me to run on a treadmill was like a really big deal because I I hate treadmills so much <laughs> um so I did a lot of that and I um did a few sweat tests um with Daryl um the just to see what I would need to replace with electrolytes, and I, I did, I really did think about it. Um, so I knew that I was capable, but it, it was, it was pretty surprising. I just, I kept passing people at, you know, twenty five k, and I thought, oh, what's going on here? Like either I'm gonna hit the wall soon, or you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was really good. Again, it was another marathon that was, that was, I was really lucky that I'd planned and, you know, practiced well for. <laughs>
0: I love that phrase, I was really lucky that I planned. I think um, there's a little bit more than luck involved in that one for you, Millie. So, yeah, you you know, first first Aussie and 18th across the line, so an incredible result. Um, I've heard you talking about getting excited about visiting the food hall post-marathon. Did you give it a fair touch-up afterwards?
1: Yeah, well, it took me, honestly, it took me like a day. It took me... A day because after I run a marathon, I just I feel so sick. Um, for the for the rest of the day, so like, I just remember getting back to the village on the bus af- afterwards, and we had to go and do a bunch of interviews with Channel Seven. I was like, I'm ready to like vomit and pass out. I was like just so that day, I kind of slept, but then I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning, and I was like, oh my god, it's time. It is time to just eat everything that I can see. (laughs) So I think I went down to the food hall. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning. There weren't many people there. But the beauty of the, uh, like, you know, the Olympic Games is this is a 24-hour food hall. So I just was like, and because I'd been carb loading, all I wanted was meat. I was like, oh, yep, I'll grab some of that beef and I'll grab some of those chicken drumsticks and I'll have this burger. And it was just, it was unreal. that's another good thing about running a marathon is like it's a free ticket to eat and do whatever you like
0: a hundred percent it's 100%. it's my favorite part of our yeah exactly
1: it's, it's it was free, unreal place. but yeah the the food hall was incredible it was it was awesome and there was anything that you could want and yeah it was yeah it was good it was good
0: it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Yeah, we, we talked to a couple of guys on the way back from the way Tokyo and they Tokyo uh, described being reasonably starstruck in the food hall. A couple of the athletes yeah, kicking around still, there. Yeah. Was, was anyone who caught was your eye that, one um, order, that um, you, you're a little bit sort of starstruck, by. Sort of star-struck um,
1: by? Oh, yeah. A few of like the American basketballers, like Kobe Bryant and stuff, like the America Dream Team was there. And I was standing in the food hall and like I remember, it must have been like the third day that I was there. Um, they were in line for, I would, They were in line. They were at the Italian thing, and they were getting their pasta. And because I was cardboarding. loading, I'm like, "Yep, some pasta." And then I lined up next to a few of the American basketballers, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Number one, because I was like, double my height. I'm this scrawny little marathoner, and then these like big, bulky basketballers. And I was like, "Oh hi," <laughs> and I was like, "Can I get them to sign like my plate or my T-shirt?" And I'm thinking, "What do I do?" And I was just like trying to act really cool like I knew them but yeah it was it is it's an unreal experience because you see these people on tv and then you go and you see them in real life and they're just like you know they're just normal people doing normal things and you don't really think about it until you're there so yeah it was it was really unreal it was it was
0: that's that's so cool. That's, that's so cool. And and I imagine they're all going I back to their NBA teams. Team. That Millie Clark was a really Millie nice. Oh yeah, totally. To they were like,
1: like, man, we met this like girl who was half of my size. And I'm like, oh my god,
0: what? <laughs> 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 ah, dear. So I, I want to push forward, forward a couple of years. So 2018, years. you had 2018, you mm-hmm. had tough season, tough year, season, and tough several stress fractures, stress fractures. What, what do you think you what might have done differently given different the beauty of um, hindsight to avoid, avoid avoid such a thing? Avoid such a thing.
1: Um, yeah, to be honest, those those are pretty surprising because um, I've never been injured really um, in my career. Um, and everyone's like, oh, no, it's a good thing to get injured. It means you're a distance runner. I'm like, is it though? Like I just, I, it was torture when I got the diagnosis of my first stress fracture in my foot um I I didn't know what to do with myself because I, I run every day literally I run every day um and I just I, I rack my brain of, of what why that happened and um I mean I, I don't really know why but I think um at the time in Sydney I was working really long hours. I'd just gotten a new job and I was up at four o'clock in the morning to run and I wasn't home from work until about eight or nine PM. And it was just I was trying to train and and work full time and I had a dog that I needed to walk, you know, twice a day. And I was trying to do too much. Um and I just think uh one of the physios he used this really cool analogy is like, oh just imagine you've got a bucket and your bucket can only hold so much and then it starts to overflow and that's when you start to get in. So I think that's, that's what happened. And in hindsight, I would have not as worked so much or not as trained so much. Um, So I think that's been the other good thing about moving back home to Tasmania is that I have a lot of help from my family and friends now when things do get really stressful. Um, they can you know they're always willing to help the dog or help cook dinner but in Sydney I was doing all of that on my own because I lived alone and it was just a bit much so I think there's one thing to do the training there's another thing to live on top of training and um, uh, it just it just got a bit too much and my body just didn't want to didn't want to of it so I think that was the I guess what also helped make the transition from Sydney to Tasmania a bit easier is knowing that life would be a lot better and easier. And since then I've been, I've had a few niggles here and there, but it's not been like that.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, I think it's a, it's a real trap that distance runners fall into. They sort of look at their weekly mileage and maybe a weight session here or there, and they consider that to be their load. Whereas all those other aspects that you're talking about absolutely contribute to your overall load and and need to be factored into the whole equation. So yeah, it's a good lesson to learn for anyone is to, to look at the rest of your week and what else is filling up that bucket.
1: And If you start doing a job that you don't normally do, you need to think, oh, well, how is this, how much of this is, you know, this job filling into my bucket? Because um, I know when I started, you know, teaching and working, I, I couldn't, I haven't done the amount of mileage that I've I've le- probably do about half of what I used to do. Um, just because I I don't have time, and I know that if I try to do more, that might, you know, push me over the edge. Um, so you have to all these things that you don't really think about. I think over time they do make a huge difference and impact.
0: Yeah, well, I mean we interviewed um Daryl Griffiths a, a few weeks ago from from Toyota and. You made the really interesting observation that your brain just takes so much of your fuel. So if you're having to think so heavily all the time, then yeah. you're burning through so much extra fuel per week yeah. and perhaps not replacing that. And that's you know where, where these sort of insufficiency, sort of injuries like a stressy, they, they probably do stem from that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And that's what I tell all my kids at school. I'm like, no, stop. We're having a little fruit break now because your brain's are you've done a really, really, really good job at maths today. We need some fruit to replace that. And I know that, you know, your brain just consumes so much glucose. And if, if you're not thinking about that, and um, I think I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that because I'd never done it before. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, yes, this is something I should have thought about. It, it is it's a huge factor and, you know, people who want to run and perform and have a life outside of running, it's just it's just something extra you need to think about, you know.
0: Hard to have it all.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so around about, around about the same time you, you hooked up with Philo saunas, I believe, was that roughly yeah. the same period of time?
1: Yeah. Um, when I moved back to Tasmania, um, yeah, I, I swapped coaches, uh, and, and not for, not for any reason other than, you know, it was just time. It was just time for, um, something different. And I'd be away, I'd been away with Philo on a number of, um, trips like to altitude overseas. And he was, you know, the, the team coach when I went to Rio and, i knew him really well and i i know a lot of um you know people that he coaches and for me he was just a natural choice and i knew he knew me i knew him and so i thought i reached out and i said look hey i'm moving to tasmania but can we work by correspondence and um you know he's a he's the head exercise physiologist for at the ais so i trust I trust whatever he says but he's also really good in that um he he's really good at like that that life balance he's like you know what um if you don't feel good today that's cool just take it easy tomorrow let's see how you feel or you know if you're going to go out for a beer tonight that's that's fine you know you do that you need that you need to unwind you need to let your mind unwind so he's he's really switched on that he's He's got a really good balance between the mental and physical, I guess, parts of running. And, um, yeah, so he's been helping me for the last almost four years now. And um, it's been – I used to go over to Canberra. I used to fly up to Canberra every kind of six weeks. But, you know, with COVID, we weren't allowed to travel. I haven't seen him as much or I haven't seen the group as much, which has been pretty tough. But, you know, we still – the beauty of technology is we can still, you know, talk and catch up and make sure that everything's going okay, just on the email, Zoom, phone, whatever.
0: Mm, that's great. We, we spoke to Jared Clifford during some of the lockdown stuff and, and even yeah. from Canberra, they were sort of sneaking around to try to get training done in different parts of yeah. Victoria or Canberra or whatever, so it certainly sounded difficult to keep the group together. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, apart from I guess uh, tapping into that run life balance, was there anything else that he sort of picked up early on, as far as your training structure or technique or anything that that's helped in the well, subsequent years?
1: Yeah. Look, the big thing that I think Philo and I have worked on is that um, after I got injured back in yeah you know, 2018, is that um, and because I started working a lot, he. The team, I don't know, and I don't know how this has come about, but it seems that like every Australian trains on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. We do <sighs> sessions Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and then we just want do it. But Mona
0: yeah. did it. So it's done
1: through. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And I used to train like that in Sydney because that's just what you do, and then. Um, you know, you, you go overseas and you go to Flagstaff and some of the Americans are like, whoa, no, sometimes I only do like one session a week because my body's not ready. And, you know, they're really, I mean, they do have the luxury that they're professional athletes. So they can, you know, if I don't feel like doing something today, well, I don't. They don't have to go to work. Um, But Philo was really good at picking up on that. I I can't handle a Tuesday thursday saturday and a long run sunday for me as a marathoner that doesn't work so we've all i do now is i do a, a shorter session on tuesday you know like 1ks or 800s or whatever um friday i do a more marathon specific workout so i might do you know like three by 5k or something and then on sunday i do a long run but you know we, that long run in and of itself is is like a workout so the days in between are just easy but I think just removing one of those sessions and really focusing on you know marathon specifics and the fact that I don't need to do three sessions a week I've really been injury free for about almost three years now so it's working and he picked up on that and so that's what I've I've really loved about that and that he can be flexible and understands that that's you know, that's me and that's what I need.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So injury free and your times are coming down. Gotta be doing something right there. So fantastic. What, what what about um Philo's pretty big on his altitude training from what I can see? How how well do you respond to that style of um of training, really? Um
1: yeah, I don't I don't know that I'm I don't know, everyone talks about like, are you a responder or not? I'm like, no, it's a responder. But um some people really do do well off going to attitude and coming down off it. I've done a few races where I've raced straight off and yeah, some are good, some are average, some are really terrible. Um I what I like about going away is just that I get to really just run and, and be with the group and put in a really good block of training. Um, whether or not the altitude has anything to do with that I'm not sure Um, I think I personally respond better to heat training I know that when I run in a heat chamber or I've um, done a stint I went to Darwin um, I've done some I've done been to Albuquerque I've been to some places that are really hot I actually respond better to uh, heat training than altitude. Mm. like performance wise um, but I know that you know Philo is big on the altitude and whenever the opportunity to go I'll always go but I think I get more of just being in that you know group environment and just dedicating myself to training and being able to get a little bit more sleep or get an extra massage or an extra gym session in so I think that's more what makes the difference for me
0: yeah, it's great—the group effect, and plus taking all those stresses out of the equation. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, move move forward out of out of injury year to twenty nineteen, and and the Gold Coast Marathon. And uh, truth be told, this this entire interview is based around me trying to run the Gold Coast in about three months' time, and I'm just trying to pick your brain really hard here, Millie. So. <laughs> So go for it!
1: (laughs) I I
0: love watching that YouTube, you know, replay the highlights package, and you flying home in second place in two twenty eight, and going through halfway at about seventy five minutes. So just an enormous negative split. Um, Is this early conservative approach the best way to attack the marathon, in your opinion, Millie? Um, It's a tough one. Look,
1: it's it's worked for me, but. At the same time, I'm always like, what if I tried to go out a little bit harder? like am I actually a 224 runner because I'm relatively conservative at the start? Um, I think the only reason at Gold Coast, I went out so conservative is because I actually hadn't run with I hadn't run a marathon in almost two years, so I didn't know where I was fitness wise there'd been no races I hadn't done anything in the lead up so I went out conservatively on on purpose um and then I felt amazing when I got to halfway I was like oh, this is yeah this this is on because I know that I can run a bit harder um but you know that said I I will always advocate for going out not at suicide pace because I've just seen too many times that you just it's it's nice to feel really good until you get to 30k but then you still got 12 more kilometers to go at 30k so i'd be like on the how would i describe it i'd be like on the conservative aggressive side so whatever you think you can run maybe minus two seconds per kilometer and that might be your sweet spot
0: that's very specific i love it i don't
1: know i don't know why but i just I'm getting a two.
0: <laughs> two seconds sounds like just enough. That's good.
1: It's, see, it's it's not like five seconds a kilometer is too much. One second is probably like eh, one here, but two, you know, you might be able to over forty-two kilometers. That's if you run faster after two seconds. That's you know a minute thirty <laughs> off.
0: Right, it make, makes a difference when it's uh, 301.29 versus 259. <laughs> now, t- tell me about the psychology of coming home strong in a marathon. How did it feel on that day?
1: Um, it, was, it was awesome and, and I love it. And it was the same as in Rio. Like, there's it's a really awesome feeling. I don't, know, I don't want to sound awful, but it's a really nice feeling to pass people. the um, earth. Don't feel sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, you get like, you get a bit of, you get so much like energy when you pass someone and, you know, you don't wish ill on somebody else, but I run past people I'm like, oh man, it sucks for you, but I'm killing it. You know what I mean? You get that, you get a little bit of, of a boost and it was really awesome at the Gold Coast and even in Rio, because I think I went through halfway in like 108th or something and I was like, I just, it was really nice to pass people and it gave you that motivation to know that you're doing well and whatever you're doing you can you can keep doing Mm -hmm. so yeah it's good so I think going out just that little bit conservatively for the sake of finishing strong either way you're going to end up with the same time whether you go through 50 50 or negative split Mm -hmm. you know it it's worth it it's definitely worth it
0: yeah and look, I mean, obviously that psychology does give you a boost on the way home, I'm sure. Did you, did you honestly feel like you left a couple of minutes out there or is that just sort of, you know, head noise after the fact?
1: Uh, I don't – yeah, look, I think I did maybe leave maybe a minute out there because before the race I'd had a few people reach out to me and say, hey, look, um, I'm going at – you know, this pace, do you want to just jump on for the first few K? And I thought, yeah, that sounds reasonable. They said, oh, we're going to go about 3.30 for the first. We're going to go at 3 minutes 30 per K pace. And I thought, yeah. To me, that sounded reasonable because I hadn't uh, raced in a while. Um, But I just know that I got to 10K and I thought, I was like, oh, this is just really slow. So even at 10K, I started to pick it up. Um, So I don't know if I lost a little bit in that 10k, but I mean, I probably, I wouldn't change it, especially for the Gold Coast. I wouldn't change it Um mm. uh because, yeah, I hadn't raced in a while. So it could have gone really badly as well. Yeah, <laughs> if I had, right. a, maybe if I had a gone a bit fast, it might have ruined it. But yeah, I am. Yeah, I do wonder. And a lot of people have said to me, like, could you just like go out really hard one time and just see if you die? I was like, no.
0: <laughs> that sounds that sounds awful. <laughs> sounds painful. Just oh, yeah. um, yeah. move move forward a year or maybe two even. So you kind of made the decision not to put yourself in the mix for the Tokyo Games. Can can you explain to the listeners what helped you form that decision in the end?
1: Yeah. Um, one, well, so there was the opportunity to get a qualifier in Sydney and Philo and I talked about it and I just thought, um, for me, the Olympics was about, uh, going to the village, being able to go and watch everyone in the sport, being around a, a team and having that, you know, that kind of like real Rio experience that I had again. Um, and having my family be at Rio, like my mum, dad, brother, and his fiance at the time, my coach, they were all there, and it was it was awesome. And I, I need that. I really need people that care about me there. So just the fact that they couldn't come, uh, the actual marathon was not run in Tokyo. It was run up in Sapporo, so it wasn't even in Tokyo. Uh, the the marathon stayed at another spot in Sapporo on their own um and I just thought i yeah i I really wanted that experience to be special, and I wanted to be able to share that with my family and if if they couldn't be there then i I didn't really want to go and you know I just started doing full time work and I just thought no it's it's just not the right time or the right thing to do um Paris would probably be a better option and hopefully world champs this year will be a better you know opportunity for my family and friends to come along if Mm. it's in America Mm. and um you know I just yeah I just think that for me it, it just didn't feel right just you know because I couldn't have all that support and love and yeah just it, it I would have run a marathon for the sake of you know running a marathon it wouldn't have been you know anything major. yeah
0: it's, it's not the kind of thing you can do when your heart's not kind of yeah, and,
1: and I don't like I don't want to take away from you know the fact that Ellie and Lisa and Sinead like they were all amazing and and what they did was absolutely incredible and I take my hat off them because I couldn't do it because I I bowed out um they they were awesome. It was really awesome to watch them I think they were amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and they did, you know, they did our country proud and I was proud watching them and I thought they were awesome. But for me I yeah, as I said, I'll take my hat off to them because oh, I couldn't do it. I need I need that crowd and I, I need my family and my friends there. So Yeah. No, that was no, I guess no. that was my you know, that was my decision.
0: I think that's a really brave decision, really. Um, yeah, very impressive. Um, oh, we, we spoke to Ellie uh, after the marathon, and it sounded like a really brutal lead-up and very difficult sort of acclimatisation and a really tough race. Um, so uh, how was it for you to uh, to kick back and watch the race? <laughs> were, you, were you happy with the decision at that point? <laughs>
1: yeah look I looked at them and I thought oh gosh I'm glad I'm not there but at the same time I was like oh man I was like analyzing it. I was like oh this is what I would have done I was like oh no I wouldn't have done that I'm like oh I would have had here," and I was like watching and thinking what I might have done but at the same time I was like oh gee I'm really glad I'm sitting on my couch at the moment because it, it looked it did look brutal so that's what I mean I take my hat off to them to no end um and, and they did well and I know that They spent a lot of time um, training in the heat. So I know the sacrifice that went into that. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, was, I mean, it was awesome to watch. It was.
0: Yeah, I agree. They they did it throughout for sure. Now, in in the subsequent year or so, you've you've built up to four separate marathons during this pandemic of ours. Um, Did you get better at dealing with the disappointment of yet another cancelled race?
1: Yeah, I think the worst one was um was Gold Coast because I was there in the Gold Coast and you know, the Tuesday before the race. I'd flown in there, I got in there on Monday and I was like, Yep, cool. Finally gonna be able to do a marathon and then Tuesday it got cancelled and I was like, Ah. Right another marathon cancelled. It was it was just really frustrating. I don't know, it was it was – it's weird to describe. It was kind of nice because I'd had that, you know, two weeks of tapering, so I felt really fresh and really, you know, ready to go. So um, it was good that I felt really fresh, but it was really disappointing. I'm like, ah, oh, another one. But, yeah, I kind of – to be honest, I actually half expected Gold Coast to be cancelled. Mm. I just had this feeling like the week before. I was like, oh, I just – I have this feeling, so yeah, it was mixed feelings. But I, I had, I have definitely gotten better at races being (laughs) cancelled.
0: And look, do you think in general it's helpful in your growth as a marathoner to have those marathon preps without the punishment on the body of the actual race itself? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's what Philo and I both said. We said, hey, look eventually down the line this is really going to pay dividends because you've gone through the training but you've not actually had to you know go to the well and, and empty the tank and then spend a week like not being able to walk downstairs you know um, so, so it, it's it has been good in that and I that's why I kind of went into Melbourne and he was like look you fit and you know you fit because you've done so many months and almost years of, of training that it's going to pay off eventually
0: and, and it certainly did So 226 and and took out the, the title at melbourne marathon in 2021 congratulations um and, and that must have been such a relief to actually pin a number on and, and get out there finally
1: oh yeah that was like even even the night before, I'm like, Nah, man, it's gonna be cancelled, surely. Like, I'm, I had this in the back of my mind, like it's gonna be cancelled. <laughs> but no, I woke up race day and I was like, Oh, if this is actually happening. Like, let's, you know, let let's do this. And it was, it was, it was awesome. It was so good. I mean, it was. I was scared as, and I was kind of like, I was like half dreading it, half excited. Um, because again, it'd be so long since I, I'd run one. I didn't know what to expect, but it was good. After I got past, I think the first five k, I just it felt it felt normal and it felt it felt right. The first five k was, was awful, but the the rest of the race was yeah, it was it was really good and it was good to get to run again. Yeah.
0: And then and put yourself in the frame for for world championships yeah. and Eugene, like you say. Um, uh, what was the process yeah, the picking worlds over com
1: games? Um well i love them i love america um i obviously went to college there i've trained a lot there um i just i went to world champs in 2017 for the marathon and i ran i prepared really well for that marathon but i just ran i didn't run very well and i i had a really shocking day and The race just was really awful for me, so I just feel like I have some unfinished business there that I want to, um, I don't know, just just set right. And the world champs, I think it's more of a world stage. Was the Com Games? You know, you're only racing against a limited number of people, and you know, I I know that the Com Games is awesome, and you know, my mum's been there, and I'd love to, you know, be able to compare just with her and be like oh my Com Games jackets you know, more than yours or whatever <laughs> Um, but for me I, I'd really, I love the opportunity to race against the world's best and, and know where I am and you know, have the opportunity to really put myself in, in a bigger field and so I just, I want to one, just I guess fix what happened in 2017 and and have that opportunity to race against the world's best. And it's just, it's just unfortunate that with COVID, the world champs is in an even year that it falls at the same time as the Com games. Cause usually it wouldn't, you know, you would have the chance to run them both, but because you have to, the marathons are only two weeks apart, you know, we have to kind of, I guess, choose, Yeah. Um, you know, my preference is the world champs. But if I could run at the Com Games, you know, it's, it's still an opportunity to put on the Australia Singlet and, um, you know, hopefully do my country proud.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm sure you will. And, and thankfully, we've got a, a host of um, qualified female marathoners who will no doubt do us proud at the time. Yeah. Um, look, um, in the, in the lead-up to either of those big events, I'm assuming you'll schedule, you know, a couple of key lead-up races in. So in an ideal world, how far out from doing a marathon would you like to do, let's say, a half or a 10K race if you could schedule it yourself?
1: Um, I do a half maybe like a month before and then a 10K like two or three weeks Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, We're lucky. Well, in Tassie, we've got the... um, so I live in Launceston, we've got the La- Launceston Running Festival, which is the long weekend in June, for the first weekend in June. We've got a, there's the opportunity with 5, 10 or a half marathon. Um, I did it last year and it was awesome. Um, so I would do there either the, I'd probably do a half marathon there because it's probably about a month out or just over a month out from um when world champs would be so that would be ideal um I would love to do the Gold Coast in some capacity uh even if I could just like do a 10k and then shoot over to Eugene would be awesome but um yeah I think it's challenging at this at that time of year to find a race Mm. but I've got those two kind of in my mind at the moment
0: Okay. fantastic. That's great. And, and look, I guess in terms of um, in load management terms or recovery from those races, can you truly treat those races like a training session or does the white line fever kick in and holding back becomes impossible?
1: No, I can. I'm, I'm good at being able to um, think about them as just training runs, especially if you know, it's a 10 K race and Philo's those like, Oh, you know, can you run 18 kilometers beforehand? i like, yeah, sure. Let me arrive at the race 4am. And <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, for those shorter races, it is easier to do that in a half. It's really great because, um, you can go out a little bit slower and, and practice having, you know, your gels or, and your drinks, um, and in my mind I try to think about that but some if yeah it's it's easy when you have a a bigger focus I guess and you know you've got a race plan so yeah I'm I'm not bad at doing that I mean I might push it a little bit extra towards the end that I shouldn't but you know it's okay
0: you can smell the barn at that stage it's okay
1: that's yeah right. yeah yep.
0: I've got a um a celebrity listener question come in from Daryl Griffiths from Code Nutrition, and and he asks, Millie, I know you're probably too modest to answer this question properly, but what sets you apart from others to enable you to run as fast as you do?
1: First of all, I just like to say that Daryl's book is um and what the work that he does is amazing. He's the most underrated person in terms of nutrition marathon running in the world i reckon mm,
0: um, i agree with
1: you uh i everyone these days every marathon i've run has always got a, a morton gel or a morton and i don't i don't describe that i don't know enough about it but the research she's done about the human body in that and yeah most underrated person but i mean we can talk about that later but um, what makes different? Oh, I don't know, Daryl, put me on the spot here. <laughs> I think, I think uh, it's the fact that I can one, I can handle things on my own. I don't need, I don't need a pacer, and I don't need a group, and I don't need, you know, people. I'm really good at. I'm a really good self motivator. So when I'm on my own at the 25k mark, I can I can really push myself. Um that that and the fact that I, you know, I've studied nutrition and I've I know a lot about the human body and I know what my body needs and what I need to do. So I think I have a really good mix of psychology and physiology. Mm.
0: That's good. Certainly seems like you understand the process there, Millie That's that's brilliant. Perfect. I want I want to talk about the uh the Coda testing procedure briefly, actually. So um Coda were luck, uh, good enough to to send over a, a a sweat testing pack, which was such a cool process. Um so I did that one about a month ago with, with Maddie North um and came out with some some cool numbers. So my numbers were 1380 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat lost in an hour and 1.8 liters of sweat lost at about 26 degrees um this was indoors on the tready and burned through about 800 was,
1: was this yours
0: this was Did me you know? yeah yeah so yeah,
1: okay.
0: a surprising amount of of fluid lost and 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 quite a bit yeah. of sodium i was i was really surprised so it, it'll certainly um uh, I'll, I'll be tinkering with, yeah, my, my my sodium intake and my fluid intake in the lead up to, to Gold Coast, that's for sure. Um, did, did you manage to dig out your own numbers there, Millie?
1: I did. And it's significantly lower, lower than yours. See, I think, like, I mean, I, before I ran my first marathon, when I said I did the research on everything, like, I read every book about how to properly carb load and how to fluid load and all this stuff. And because I was studying nutrition at the time, um, I came across, you know, Darrell's book, Sweat, Think, Go Faster. And um, it was incredible. Like the stuff that he was talking about, um, it really resonated with me because I studied nutrition and I studied the human body. And, um, you know, one of the things he said was, you can't change how much sodium you sweat out. Like that's, you know, genetics. That's, that's going to be forever what you do. No matter if you sweat out 18 litres or you sweat out one, the amount of sodium you lose, that's the key. So um, I did a sweat test with him a couple of years ago and my biggest thing was looking at how much sodium I lost. So I think uh, my s- sodium... I lose one thousand one hundred and forty-eight milligrams per hour. Okay,
0: and, and that's uh, is that per liter or per hour?
1: That's just per hour um, mm. okay. of sodium that I will lose. So regardless of how much I sweat, mm. you know, that's how much sodium I'm going to lose. So in my mind, when I think about when I'm training for a marathon and when I'm running a marathon, I think. Okay, I'm gonna realistically, I'm gonna run for two and a half hours. You know, hopefully, hopefully, but let's just do that two and a half hours. Uh, you gotta be prepared. I'm gonna lose, you know, about you know three and a half thousand milligrams. So how can I replace that over the course of two and a half hours? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that for me is the biggest thing. Like, I am a tiny human. I don't, I actually don't sweat a lot, but so for me. When I make my drinks, I don't have a lot of liquid, but I add in like heaps of um, their, you know, their fizzy. The tablets, yeah. The tablets.
0: Yeah,
1: the, the little tablet things. I'll add in like two of them in like, you know, 100 meals because I know that, you know, I need to make up that sodium. That's mm-hmm. That's what I look at and that's when I do the numbers and that's, yeah, you drink and you go, oh, God, you're eating a salt bucket. But for me i don't sweat a lot but i sweat out a decent amount of salt so sodium Mm. so that's how i think it's amazing to know those numbers
0: yeah yeah i totally agree and it really resonated with me it was very simple and and very rational um
1: it's so simple but everyone tries to overcomplicate like oh like let's have your carbs and your gel and your sodium all in one drink i'm like oh to me that that didn't sit right so that's what i really loved about um you know reading his book and and learning what the human body and the stomach can handle it's like you know your stomach can only do one thing at a time it either absorbs liquid or it absorbs fuel don't put them both together because it won't take both together do you know what i mean yeah,
0: it's a pretty simple concept. Um, yeah. on, on your like your absorption, how how many gels are you able to get down during the course of a marathon, Millie?
1: Um, I do three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I've I've and I again I've known people to do like six or five, but um, again I, I've done the maths and I'm not I'm not a big human, so I don't need a lot. So I'll do two. And then I'll do my caffeine one at like 35 Ks. Yeah. I'm like, I just needed a little coffee boost <laughs> for the last seven Ks. So I'll do two other ones and um, uh, I'll, so I'll do three. um, And Perfect. then one, yeah, with one of them being at the cafe. But yeah. I do drink every 5K and I do make sure that they're, they're pretty sodium dependent.
0: Hmm. Rich on salt. That's good. I like that. I'm, I'm just I'm, about a 10 times bigger human. So I'll go with that. Yeah, exactly. Girls, I mean, again, sure.
1: again, you have to do, I think you need to do it all body where Everyone's like, oh, you need like, you know, 60 calories per hour. But I'm like, well, let's look at your body mm. first because mm. you might need more or less. And there is such thing I think as, as overdoing it. And I think some people overdo it. So that's when they run into problems and some people underdo it. So I think it's, it's more about reading finding out you know what works and then actually adjusting it to you personally
0: yeah i agree and if you need more info sweat think go faster very 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 impressive audiobook these days um yeah and
1: it's, it's easy it's like, like you know some people like you're driving to work i mean you know you oh, well, you don't know but people <laughs> who are living in sydney or melbourne and they're sitting on the train for an hour going to work like just chuck that podcast in your ear or that audiobook in your ear um you know marathons are they're not you know a 200 meter sprint it's like you actually have to think about these things you know in a a 1500 you don't have to think about how much sodium will I lose how much energy will I burn um that's the marathon that's what makes it a marathon is it's a whole nother challenge that you actually have to think about you know your nutrition on top of your training so make it easy for yourself you know just get that down and you don't have to worry
0: yeah exactly there's lots of puzzle pieces but it's good if you've got the overall picture to start with that's for sure um look there's been a bit of a hype around uh recent doco on alberto salazar and his questionable practices how much does it play on your mind that the person lining up next to you on the start line might be gaining an unfair advantage at some point
1: yeah. Look, and um, this is uh something that resonates, yeah. I guess quite, I guess heavily with me is that uh, so technically in Rio over the line I was eighteenth, but since then, first place and I think third place has been done. They were on drugs, so technically I was sixteenth over the line. Yeah. I I yep. do I do try to milk that just saying <laughs> no, i six think, six I six think six. you can claim that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> i'm like no hang on I'm six six. No. but um yeah it it actually hurts because um i did a a 10k race in new york um in it, must have been, it was june before the the um the olympics i did a, mar- a 10k race and unisum who well she won the marathon and she did the 10k there and i I sat across from her and we shared a meal and we had a talk and, you know, it ended up being that she was, she won the mouth but she was busted for drugs. And I'm sitting thinking, I was like, you know, I sat across from me having a meal and I just, just to know that that was going on. I just, yeah, it it wasn't a good feeling and I think it's, it's, it's not great. And um it's something that I, yeah, I would. I would hate to know that. I would hate to know that I've crossed a line of a running race, knowing that it wasn't all me. Mm. You know that yeah. gave that performance. I would hate it. So, I don't know what motivates that for those other people. But yeah, it 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 is something that does, um, I guess affect me, or I do think about on a regular basis because you just don't know.
0: Mm. And look, in their heart of hearts, there's got to be some hollow feeling that hits them at some stage. So, you know, I'm not sure that I subscribe to their way of thinking, but plenty of them do, unfortunately. Um, Anyway, a lot of topics ahead. So you're 33 years old, Millie, coming into the prime time marathon years leading into Paris 2024. So, apart from being really exciting from your point of view, why why is it that marathoners seem to get better into their mid to late thirties and even forties now?
1: I think, as we've spoken about, it's just that like that that muscle memory and just you know having that that time on your legs. Um, you know, some people don't believe it, but we always learn. Or I I learn it. In, at uni, that it takes ten thousand hours to become a professional at something. Um, it's just that repetitive practice of, you know, getting your body to do what you want it to do. Whether it's you know playing the violin or painting a, a picture, it's it's that ten thousand hours is that repetitive practice. So I think that's why, you know, when you they say you come into your prime at you know, this age, maybe it's that, you know, we've done this so many hours of running and you come to respond to that well. Um yeah, I I'm excited for what's to come. Um I know that, you know, I'm not super young anymore, but I know that yeah, there are hopefully better years ahead just from what I've seen, you know, with um, Sinead and a, whole, a lot of Americans and um, a lot of British runners, they're you know older and doing better. So, I just think you know, age is just a number, I just think it's, it's how long you've, you've been able to run and the cumulative hours you've you know contributed towards that, that 10,000 magical number. <laughs>
0: you must be getting pretty bloody close, Millie. Um, I oh, want to.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to talk uh, briefly about shoes. There's some serious shoe geeks out there. Are you running in X percent Nikes these days? Uh, um, yeah,
1: I'm not shopping with shoes. I don't know the names. I'm That's all right. right. I'm. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, the, no, same I'm do, the same. No, I do. I'm dreadful with shoes. I'm like, if I put them, on, I'm like, oh, these feel amazing. I'm like, I'll run in Um, well. To be honest, I I wasn't a fan of the fancy like the next percent and the this that and the other. But my favorite shoe in the in the world is the um, it's the Tempo Next Percent. I love those shoes mm-hmm. so much. Um, I do a lot of my training or my like faster sessions in the Tempo Next Percent. Um, if I've got a longer you know like a five three by five go session i'll do them in them um love those the vapor flies i really like as well Mm. i think they're amazing Mm. um but i'm just like i'm a pegasus girl i i just do more stuff in the pegasus the shoe that i wish that they still made was like were they like the peg turbos Yep. they were amazing and they stopped making those i'm like (laughs)
0: <laughs> they just want us to um, buy something different um
1: yeah i know but the peg turbos they used to do a lot of my long runs in them but i'd get a few uh decent mileage out of and but yeah other than that the Tempo and x percent one of my favorite shoes
0: unreal um and, and did you have an observed sort of improvement when they did bring the carbon plates in there was it a quantifiable you know time per kilometer or was it a bit more subtle than that
1: uh yeah look to be honest I I actually don't know I don't remember oh well I don't know see maybe this is why my Gold Coast was so good because I remember them being like I'd never run in paper flies the carbon plate shoe and then arriving at Gold Coast in 2019 I had a call from the reception desk to my hotel room I'm like hey Millie we've got a package here for you I'm like what? Who the hell is sending me packages to my hotel room in the Gold Coast? I thought it must have been like my partner playing a joke on I me. Mean, anyway, I went down to the reception desk and there was a pair of um the new like the the vapor those like bright green ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. first kind of ones. And they were like, Oh, good luck for your marathon. I was like, Maybe I should race in these. So I put them on the next day and I did a few strides up and down the the pathway next to the hotel and I thought, oh, these actually feel alright. So I wore them for the first time in the marathon and um yeah. They they felt really nice. They were good. <laughs> Evidently that they were they were good. And I thought no oh, these are great. So whether or not the marathon was because of the shoes or everything else in between, I don't know, but they are they do feel good but in terms of time per kilometer, I actually I can't answer that. It like, honestly, sorry.
0: it doesn't matter they felt good and you're in you know, <laughs> ran 220 they, they felt good
1: stuff. and i was like i might place really well here so yeah I, I think what i did notice about them though and i will say is that um i think they help you recover better mm-hmm. um mm. i know in my first couple of marathons i couldn't walk for like a week and a half and i was still like walking backwards down the stairs just to not have to bend my quads but these ones i i seem to recover a lot better so i think yeah that's that's the thing that i noticed the most i guess yeah,
0: that's a, that's that's a good enough endorsement for me um how, how long until they bring out uh the millie Clark signature shoe the phoenix to go with the tattoo uh-huh.
1: yeah look i might have to have words it'd be i'd have to do something really special for that though i think
0: it's a pretty sick name for a pair of shoes though. The Phoenix.
1: It, it is actually. I do like. I do like where you're going with this. I hadn't even thought about it until now. So Get on to your market. i actually have to raise it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll raise it at my next mid-year interview.
0: Good call. Good call. <laughs> I I uh, I want to bring up a bring up a quote. It's a bit a bit of a longish one, so. Yeah. When I was younger, I had three goals, to own a pug, to go to the Olympics, and to watch the Red Hot Chili Peppers live in concert. So now that you seem to have ticked all three of those goals, can you share what's next on the list? So see, Nirvana seems a bit unreachable now, so it's got to be pet ownership or running. What's it going to be?
1: Well, see, look, I have a pug. He's on the way out, but I think uh, – I've done those things and I to be honest when I went to the MBX, I was like, oh, oh no, what do I do now? But I have I have since reevaluated my life. Um, it was one to own my own home, which I've recently done that. Um number two was to meet a significant other who, you know, I would eventually spend my life with. And then the other one was to um I guess have a family and, and, you know, have children and be able to share my successes with them. So um, one, I have ticked a box in owning a home. I am now having to scrape my penny jar to be able to feed myself, but that that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no. Um, so it is, it, it's, it's exciting to tick off those, kinds of i guess milestones um you know i have a really good supportive loving partner um admittedly he is a kiwi so we kind of forgive that yeah we kind of forgive that um (laughs) yeah but um you know i yeah i still want to have a family but i still want to be able to um you know do running to the best of my ability within that so if it means you know having a year or two off to do that and then come back to it that's something that I I I would love and I I love you know my children to know that um you know you can you can have a life and you can still run as well so that I think is the next I guess part of my Goals is to, to have a family, but be able to come back to running and go to Paris twenty twenty four and go to World Champs and um, you know Brisbane twenty thirty two is I'll be I'll be probably at a really prime age and I would have reached ten thousand hours by then. <laughs> you know so it's yeah it, it's all of that stuff it's all of the you know really. I guess lifey stuff is my next goal, and then um, yeah, just being able to f- keep running well in between that.
0: That's right. It, it all fits in between the lifey stuff, I'm sure. Now, some before I finish, somewhere on your fridge, do you have the numbers two twenty two thirty six written?
1: Um, well, I don't, but every time I go around and visit my mum and my mum and dad, mum, mum has two twenty two on her fridge. she really i'm like why do you have this on your fridge and she's like oh because i just i just think that you can get the australian record like they mom and dad are the most two most supportive people you ever met mom mom loves it she she knows more about marathon run than i do probably and (laughs) it's not on my fridge but it is on it is on her so when i go around there i'm like, oh, like oh dear but she yeah she loves it and she's really supportive and um yeah, look, it's it's a big, big, I guess, task for anyone to try and do that because Benito is she's amazing. Um and yeah, look, whether it happens or not, I would really be stoked to run if I could finish my career running under two twenty-four, I'd be really stoked. I just feel like two twenty-three is that's really fast. Right. Like that's really fast. <laughs> So, so, in my mind, if I can run Teach Me I'd be really happy. But, yeah, look, um, yeah, two twenty two, like, that would, would be amazing. It would really would be. And it would be um, a real hats off to everybody.
0: Oh, look, it, it truly would be amazing. I certainly won't count the phoenix out. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, congratulations on such an amazing career to date. And I really look forward to what you can achieve over at world championships and 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 certainly look forward to watching your progress towards paris um if if the listeners want to jump on board the millie clark train where's the best place for them to to check out your exploits
1: i'm i'm actually really shocking with like social media stuff but like instagram occasionally i'll check twitter um But, yeah, really, I'm just an Instagram feed because I don't know if you heard. Have you seen that page that's called, like, Nat Day Cow?
0: No. No, I'm I'm terrible at Instagram.
1: Okay, but on Instagram they have this, like, this page is called Nat Day Cow. So every day there's, like, a day. It might be, like, National Blueberry Day or National, like, Hug Your Friend Day or National Pork Belly Day. I live for that page. I like <laughs> literally wake up at 8 a.m and I'll check that page. I'm like what day is it? And it'll be like, it's National Corn Day, so like I'll cook dinner and it'll be all around corn because it's corn Day. So Instagram <laughs> is, is my go-to only because I love this Facebook page.
0: It's, it's telling you how to live your life. What, what's today before? It's I let really you
1: go? sad, it's so sad, but it's a small game. It's the little things in life that are really nice.
0: But what, what, what is today's day?
1: uh okay today is national um pineapple upside pineapple upside down cake day (laughs) which i'm really shocking at baking but it's national banana day so you know what i've had two bananas today (laughs) and it's national cheddar cheddar fries day so i've like at the moment as it stands i've got some like potato with cheese in the oven cooking so i feel like yeah you know what it's fries it's cheddar
0: <laughs> well look i won't no. keep you away from your uh your mm-hmm. national so, cheddar and fries, then yesterday Daniel.
1: was national garlic day so you know our dinner was really heavy on garlic so i was like to my partner i was like I sleep on the other side of the bed
0: <laughs> today's national sleep on your own day <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I digress from where you can contact me, but Instagram because I'm always on here to check. That is my point. Perfect.
0: Sorry. So Millie Millie yeah, Jane so Clark, is that right?
1: It's just Millie Jane fourteen.
0: Okay, Millie Jane fourteen. Perfect. Simple. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, go and enjoy your uh, your, your chili cheese fries or whatever. (laughs) And uh,
1: my, my, like, my, they're like potato with a little bit of cheese over top is what I will do.
0: Amazing. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to Amelia. Thank you for your time.
1: Uh, No, well, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, hopefully, you know, people tune in and um, yeah, it's been really nice to talk to you as well.
0: Yeah, thanks, Billy. I'll see you soon. Bye (laughs) (laughs) soon.